0: What's up? It's episode 50, Pain Points of Wealth. Hard to believe 50 episodes in. We've been doing this podcast for a year. We thank you for your support. And as always, there is a lot going on right now in the economy, the stock market. We have the Delta variant still running rampant around the world. Is it going to slow the economy down is the big question on investors' mind. As we're recording this right now, the government's looking to pass trillions of dollars What impact is that going to have on the economy? What impact does that have on you? And how do you position yourself to win right now as the market continues to ramp, continues to go higher? What's the move you make right now? Well, we're going to break it down for you today. And we have a special guest on our show today during our tipping point. We have Kristen Vermeulen, founder, CEO of Nautical PR and the podcast host of Makers of the US and Makers of Maine. She talks with business owners all across the country. She's gonna give us the pulse on that so we can get a better idea of what's going on in the economy, but it's gonna be a great, great show. Episode 50, let's hit the music, let's
1: get it started. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between.
2: Well, I got to tell you, fellas, I'm shocked, absolutely shocked. In a year where volatility is basically non-existent, the market was actually down last week. Like
0: 1%, if we can call that even like barely down at all. And that just seems to be the theme here. It's like there's just no sell-off. And you know, one thing we've talked about a lot on this podcast is never trust the consensus, right? Never trust what every strategist and what every investor believes in unison. And right now, I mean, I hear it over and over again, we're in the weakest part of the year now, till October, till like Halloween, market's probably going to sell off 10, 15%. Market needs to have a correction. When everybody's looking for the same thing, we know it doesn't happen. And this market just won't let you in. And there's a lot of people in cash sweating it out right now, gentlemen.
3: Well, speaking of bearish sentiment, I spoke to five of my clients yesterday, and each of them are predicting that we're going to have a major downturn in the markets in the very, very short term.
0: (laughs) That's a bad sign when everyone, again, conventional wisdom is not good when it comes to investing.
2: Well, here's a dirty little secret about all of us. We all read the same thing. We all watch the same news. We all talk to the same friends and what happens is you have a consensus opinion. And you know right now, you have bearish sentiment. Basically, they survey investors to see how they feel about the short-term outlook of the market. And they're all very cautious, fearful, and bearish right now because we all come to the same conclusion at the same time. And guess what? Market doesn't care what you think. The market always does the opposite of what the consensus opinion is at the time. It loves to frustrate you.
3: Exactly right, Dad. And I asked each of those clients, I said, well, if you think the market's going to have a downturn, then what should we do? And their suggestion was that we should sit in cash and wait for an opportunity to come. And I said, well, what if that opportunity never comes? <laughs> yeah, crickets,
0: crickets. And probably it won't come, right? That's actually the higher odd scenario here is, as Bob likes to say, bull markets don't let you in. And, you know, as we're recording this, and I don't know if you're listening to this, the government's talking about passing another $3 trillion plus in stimulus. Which, who knows how that's gonna play out? We already have so much cash out there. Like, if we add all this extra cash, what's gonna happen? And
2: I get that. That's like a real concern right now. Hey, look at the corporations, guys. They've got almost $2 trillion sitting on their balance sheet and they're going to go out and spend. I mean, last week, Pfizer, you know, the big giant pharmaceutical company, went out and bought this biotech stock called Trillium. Paid 2 billion, 2.3 billion to drop in a bucket. They're going to go out there and buy up and gobble up more stocks. Believe it or not, we're going to end up with a shortage of companies to invest in. Yeah, and we
0: talked about supply and demand before on this show, but you know when you have lots of demand, because there's lots of investors out there, lots of people with cash that can buy, and we're starting to see limited supply, Bob, to your point, in stock you can actually buy, that's probably only going to push the prices of stocks even higher here. And that's the biggest concern. Again, it's not, are we going to get sell-off? Is Are we coming into this big melt-up? And I have a feeling when we're talking in a couple months, we're going to look back and say, we were right. You always
3: do that, no matter what. You're often wrong, but you're never in doubt. Yeah, right. The uh, general consensus among my clients is that you're always bullish on the markets. They want to know when you're actually bearish on the markets. Well, the market does
0: go up 85% of the time. So the odds are invariably almost always in my favor.
2: Well, if you think about it, guys, the market is up over 20% this year. It's been up 34 of 95 years. It's been up 20% for the year. That's 36% of the time. Now, same token, it's experienced a loss 25 out of 95 years. So that's 26% of the time. So the market actually does go up much more often than it goes down. And a lot of times you're going to have double digit returns, but you don't have those if you're sitting in cash waiting for the correction.
0: Yeah, especially when everybody's looking for the same correction. And that's what we see right now. And I think the one thing you do have to be aware of, and again, we do should address the cash issue and having so much cash out there. And it's you know, been the theme for where we look at the world is inflation is probably not going away, right? We're talking about the supply chains are still a mess. And I think a microcosm of that is, I was just talking about the other day on Fox Business, is the auto industry. Right now, you saw auto sales actually go down by 30% in the last three months. It's not because people didn't want to buy cars and trucks. It's because the supply was limited. You know, There's just not enough semiconductors around the world. There's not enough chips for the cars, not enough parts to build enough cars to meet demand.
2: So therefore, they can't sell enough cars right now, which is a crazy dynamic. Yeah, but the cars they are selling, they're selling at a much higher price. Look at used cars. The prices have gone through the roof. And that's it, right?
0: So the earnings look great for the autos because we're selling less cars, but we're going to jack up the price. And that's called an inflation hedge because if prices are going up and companies are raising their prices, again, companies benefit from that, specific companies do. And that's why when you look at your portfolio right now, you've got to ask yourself, do you have a portfolio that's inflation hedged? And a lot of stocks are, not all stocks, but the ones that can raise their prices, like the autos, are a great place to be in an inflationary
2: environment. So, you know, Ryan, you say this often, I mean, almost every week, these analysts, strategists, investors are all talking about a correction, but which market are they speaking about, right? We've already had a correction in small capitalization stocks. You know, if you look at the Russell 2000, it's had a 9% decline. Oil was down 15% in August. From August 1st to the first three weeks, it dropped 15%. That's already been in a bear market and it's already over because it's up 9% in the last week. You know, you have China. China is down 30%. It's impacting the emerging markets. So not all markets are a monolith. I mean, you look at Amazon. Amazon is up 0.00% year to date. Great company, right? They're blowing out their earnings, but not everything moves together. So that's really where diversification comes in. That means having different asset classes, different capitalizations, not all markets move in the same direction. So when they talk about a market correction, you got to ask them right away, what market are you talking about?
0: No, that's a great point because I think a lot of you right now are probably sitting in cash, probably hoping for the sell-off, which is never going to come if you've been getting the uh, gist of this podcast today, yet there's plenty of places to put your money right now that have already had a big correction. I mean, oil is the best example, Bob, because it's like, I always say the prices of oil look like my favorite ride at Great Adventure, right? I mean, think about all the volatility you've seen in oil in the last couple of months, all the way up to $75 a barrel, almost down to $60 a barrel. It's like absolute insanity. But the truth is, and you say this all the time, Bob, volatility is your friend. And right now, if you put your money into a portfolio that has lots of different asset classes, you're going to buy a lot of investments right now that are down. You know, So it's not an all or none proposition when you're buying a lot of different investments in your portfolio. And I think that's where we get this mindset. Am I in the market, not in the market? It's not
2: that way. Chris, I got to call your brother out on that. His favorite ride at the amusement park was the Lazy River, where he got to sit in the inner tube and float you know,
3: around the outside of the park. I don't even remember him ever getting on a roller coaster. Do you? No, I don't remember Ryan taking a lot of risk when we were growing up. I believe he does have a fear of heights, if I'm not mistaken. I hate heights. I even hate the Ferris wheel, for the record.
0: (laughs) But you know, well, I'm a lazy man. I always said I have lazy bones. But yeah, so that's the point, right now. It's like it's not an all or none proposition. It's like get your money spread out. There's plenty of opportunity, but the only place there is an opportunity is sitting in cash, earning nothing.
3: Well, guys, on the other side of that coin, yesterday afternoon, I went for a sale and I was talking to one of the more experienced sailors in the club. And he happened to bring up, and he's just for context, he's about 35 years old. And he told me that he is not working right now. And I said, well, what, did you get a stimulus check? I said, are you getting unemployment? He said, no, I quit my job. I'm just trading stocks. And I said, well, I got to tell you, I said, I'm a financial advisor. And I said, things don't stay up forever. I said, you might want to watch that. He's like, no, I'm fine. I only invest in very low risk dividend paying stocks.
0: Well, the pain and suffering that young man has coming to him, and that's P A I N, not P A Y N E, because we even know the higher quality, high dividend paying stocks, when the market sells off, it doesn't care about quality, low quality. It just sells everything off. So a lot of investors are going to be in for a rude awakening when we finally do get that big sell off in the
2: market. Hey, Ryan, I was just wondering, you know, Chris was sailing with his buddy at the club. What, was this guy's name Winthorpe? <laughs> We all know Chris's blood is blue now because he's uh, sailing up in Rhode
0: Island. So we're uh, in Newport, Rhode Island. So, you know, Bob, Chris is like a Rockefeller now. I don't know.
3: I don't know if we can hang out with him anymore. I don't know. He looks more like a Vanderbilt to me. I did officially change my name to Christopher Vanderbilt. It's got a nicer flow to it.
2: Yeah, you know, it just goes to show, guys, a market's not a monolith. There's different markets going up, going down at different times. Chinese market already had a bear market. Remember the old Bobism past performance is not predictive, right? Past performance is only predictive of past performance. It tells you nothing about the future. Not all financial markets are correlated, right? One day's movement doesn't predict the next. So what we have to know is that bear markets are followed by bull markets and bull markets are inevitably followed by bear markets. We're in a big boom in bull market right now. Let's enjoy it. We'll let you know when it's over. Stay tuned. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode. 50
0: pain points of wealth. We've doubled our listenership over the course of the last couple of months. Thank you for the support. If you like our content, you love our content, don't be shy. Give us five stars. If you're listening to this on iTunes, if you're watching this on YouTube, click that like button you can click the subscribe and that notification bell. So every week you can be updated of all our new episodes. So give us the love, give us a like, subscribe to our podcast. Okay. Now it's time for the tipping point where we pinpoint the pain point Having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. And we have a very special guest today on our show. We have Kristen Vermeulen, founder, CEO of Nautical PR. I like the sailing reference. I know Chris does. And also the podcast host of Makers of the US and Makers of Maine. And Kristen, great to have you on the show today. And you're kind of on the pulse of what's going on in America. So I thought it'd be great to have you on the show. I know you and I had like a kind of a quick Intro on national television. We were both on Fox Business News a couple of months ago, and you have a really cool podcast. And you know, you basically go out and you talk to a lot of business owners. You know, a lot of American-made type of niche type of companies that are out there, which is really really cool. So it's really great to have you on the podcast today.
4: Thank you so much, Ryan. I'm so glad to be here.
0: Yeah. So basically, you know, what's going on in America? Like, give us the pulse. You know, I know Chris, Bob, and I were very very optimistic on the U.S. economy. But what are you seeing, you know, talking to all these business owners and like, what's your viewpoint?
4: So, right before I hopped on this interview, I did a lot of questions with a lot of the makers that I've interviewed and even those that have been following along in my community for the podcast. So, I know the one thing that has been such a challenge amongst mom and pop shops just starting up their businesses is they have to utilize a lot of their personal assets or personal funds to go and start up their own business. And they're like trying to look for ways that maybe get a loan or other financial means to kind of help bring them up and grow them up. And they're always in debt, it seems like, even years into their business. And I am not a financial expert, but I know that is a main pulse point or pain point Yay, why any? that you know I'm seeing, yes, <laughs> that I've noticed in terms of the community. So I want to just address that question because I think this relates not to just makers up here in Maine, but throughout the entire nation.
3: Actually, I don't know what a maker is. Can you explain that?
4: Oh, yeah, sure. So my definition of a maker is very broad. So you have your woodworkers, you have your metal workers, you have folks that make products. So that's one definition of it. But then I also consider a maker being a musician, being kind of wrapped into the whole entertainment industry, photographers, videographers, it's very broad, but in pertaining to this question, I think a lot of the makers that I've been getting a sense of just this challenging, you know, financial way of growing their business is really those who are making products. It just seems like there are a lot of cost conflicts with resources right now, you know, in terms of materials due to the pandemic and COVID and what environment we're in right now. And it's causing a lot of heartache and a lot of stress because they can't find ways to continue to grow, and make revenue to bring home to their families. So, that's more of a definition.
3: Well, it's an interesting point that you make about having difficulty sourcing material and probably the increased cost of material. Like do you find that a lot of your makers, you know, particularly like folks that are in the woodworking business, the metal business, do you find that they're increasing their prices and passing those costs on to their customers?
4: You know, that's a great question. I find that folks in this community find it kind of scary to increase their costs and products just because they're afraid of losing customers. So, I feel like They don't want to miss out on the customers they already have and exist, and then they go and find a competitor of theirs. So I would say yes and no. You know, it sounds like it's a very easy solution, but I think it's an emotional solution, too, because they don't want their customers to go away.
2: The cost of materials is a problem I see throughout the whole economy, both the scarcity and the cost going up. What about personnel? Are they having a hard time finding workers like everybody else?
4: Yes. So, for example, I was chatting with somebody who's a fashion designer and looking for sewers in the community. Yes, it is very hard to find folks. And I think it's due to the unemployment. A lot of people are just getting those benefits and just not wanting to work because they're getting those benefits. And like, why should I work? I'm already getting money from the government. So it's been very interesting to kind of see that. I'm surprised more people aren't bored and want to just get their hands on something and, you know, get into a hobby. But yeah, I think a lot of people are just being a little lazy right now, which is a shame. And it's hurting a lot of mom and pop shops and makers that are making products.
0: It's funny you said that because it's so hard for us to get Chris to come to work anymore because he's literally on those benefits all the time. It's like, Chris, we need you to come in today and he just doesn't want to do it. But (laughs) in all seriousness, the other thing, too, is though you see a lot of people that are actually getting the benefits and then maybe they have their side hustle. Where they're getting paid in cash or something like that. So, I mean, forget you're getting so much on benefits versus what you would get as an hourly job, but you might even have a side hustle where you're making even more money, which makes it even harder to get back to work.
2: You know, I, my observation was I spoke to the CEO of a major restaurant chain yesterday, and, you know, I said, well, I guess when these benefits start to run out in September, you'll see more and more workers come back. And he said, I'm not so sure about that. He said, because think about it, if you're sitting at home right now and you know that in a couple of weeks, your benefits are going to expire wouldn't you start applying for a job now? He says, we're not seeing any increase in applications. That's a little shocky. I'm wondering what else is going on.
3: Maybe you're right, Ryan. Maybe they all have a side gig. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So, Kristen, I mean, to Bob's point, You know, he's saying that a lot of the business owners he works with aren't seeing an increase in job applications. Are you seeing the same thing with the makers that you're working with, or are you starting to see like an uptick in people finding some more interest in coming back to work at this point?
4: That's a great question. So one of my clients in my PR business is the largest wind jammer fleet in the world called the Maine Windjammer Association. And what they're struggling with is keeping their crew for the season, because a lot of these guys are younger folks, and they have to go back to school, or they're just other things that have come up where they can't finish out the season. So I've been noticing in terms of applications, just from hearing from the other captains is that it's hard, like you have to really pull that thread to get more people interested. It's a lot of like, word of mouth. So, people are just like posting on Facebook and Instagram, being like, hey, we're looking for a deckhand or whatever position they're looking for. And they're like, oh, well, my daughter can do it maybe for like a month. So, it's like very, very word of mouth. I mean, I can only imagine what like the recruiter programs are looking like right now, like, you know, Zip Recruiter and all this stuff, because they're probably not doing well in terms of like vetting applicants to corporations or even small businesses right now.
3: Well, you know what, Kristen? I have to tell you, I'm a pretty competent sailor and I've become very unhappy with the management of the firm that I work for. And I'm definitely looking for a job on a windjammer. So can I send you my resume?
4: (laughs) Yes, please, Chris. Chris
3: will work for $6 an
4: hour
2: if it's on a windjammer. It's the best part about a big boom and bull market ride. We can get rid of the dead weight in the company. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. This podcast is more useful than we
0: thought. And, you know, Kristen, we know you're a sailor and Chris is a sailor. I would just love to see a sailing contest between the two of you to see who's actually more competent. So. I put my money on you, Kristen, for sure.
4: I don't know about all that, man. I mean, Chris is sailing on foils. That's a big deal.
0: He thinks he's a big deal because he's on foils. But no, I think this is actually a really, really important theme. This is something that we've talked a lot about, and I don't think it's being addressed enough, is we're going into a labor shortage, right? I mean, even when those unemployment benefits come off next month, there's way more jobs than people can fill them. So this is going to be really like a problem that's going to be continual, especially as we get into the end of the year and the next year. And here you are talking about businesses just not able to hire Certainly, it sounds like from what you're saying, Kristen, the demand is there. Like these businesses do have business right now, a lot of business that they can be doing.
4: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think a lot of people are hearing more about it with the restaurant industry, which of course is hurting tremendously right now. But when you hear it from like a small business making products or offering like a tourist excursion or something like that, they're hurting as well. And I know it's seasonal. So I think it's really, what are they predicting for next year? Is it going to be the same thing? Is it going to be harder? And what's really interesting about the wind jammers is that they hire crew. A lot of it comes from out of the state. So it's been really interesting that they're trying to lean in and get more people locally here in Maine, and they're not really having much luck. So it's just been an interesting observation, really. And, you know, another thing, too, is I wonder if a lot of businesses that can afford it to go and outsource employment from other countries, because, you know, I know there's call centers, customer services, like businesses, really. I'm really curious if that's going to scale up because of this.
0: It has to, right? It has to. I mean, there's no getting around it. I mean, if you look at our population growth in the US, we talked about this, it's like it's slowed down dramatically, and we know immigration slowed down as well. So I think that's a great point. Like, how much more of our business is going to get outsourced to other parts of the world? But the reality of it is, you know, populations are growing much faster globally than they are here in the US.
4: Right. And this kind of leads to another question that popped up on my end from, A medium sized business. It's a company called Seabags, and they have been approached by like many corporations to buy them out and stuff like that. And it's not just Seabags, there's a lot of other companies out there that have been approached by bigger companies to be bought out and just making sure that, but they want to keep it small and they don't want to be bought out. So it's like, what's the benefit of that? You know, I think there's like that emotional, personal appeal, but then also at the same time, it's like that dollar amount being super big too. I was
0: gonna say, it's all about the dollars.
4: Yeah, right. It's very interesting. So I'm sure, have you guys worked with small mom and pops that get bought out by corpse and, you know...
2: Well, there's a lot of money out there. I mean, you have venture capital and private equities searching high and wide to find any business with a recurring cash flow, you know, to justify the investment. So there's you're seeing it happen in real estate, you're seeing it happen in the stock market, and you're seeing it happen with individual companies. And it's probably hard for some of these companies to say no to the kind of dollars they're throwing at them. So it's a decision on do I lose control or do I sell a little bit or do I just as that old country song I mentioned last week, guys, take this job and shove it and retire. A lot of people are thinking that all this money being thrown at them is going to change their outlook. And I think we're having a lot more people retire than anybody anticipated. I mean, I think maybe double the amount of people they thought would retire through COVID, more than double actually did. So that's the other problem. So that's why we're seeing all these issues with employees and workers.
3: Yeah, Dad, you know, that's a good point about people retiring. I had a bunch of clients retire this year prematurely, way before they had intended to. So it's definitely a reality. We're seeing it here at PCM.
2: It's kind of like my hair, Chris. You know, I was born gray and I'm turning prematurely blonde.
4: (laughs) By the way, going back to that country song, is that really a country song? Because you need to send that to me.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. That was a big hit.
4: (laughs) That's so
0: funny. Well, before we let you go, Kristen, thanks for coming on. It's great to have you get a lot of great insight. What's the coolest business that you interviewed for your podcast that everyone should check out, you know, once they're going to check out your podcast after hearing this?
4: Oh, man. So just as you probably don't know this, but I will relay that my podcast started as Makers of Maine. Now it's Makers of the US. So one podcast that comes to mind when it comes to Maine makers is Nick Rossi. He's a renowned knife maker in Maine. He does everything from just slamming that hammer on the steel to sharpening the knife, making really nice engravings on the knives. He does the handles, the leather work, everything. And these knives are worth a lot of money he does chef's knives, oyster knives. But what's really interesting about Nick is that he started with a passion back in like the 90s of watching these action-packed kung fu fighting type of sword movies and was like, I want to make knives. And you know, he didn't go to school for it. He actually was taught by other knife makers in the area that have been doing it for so long. And he's just scaled up his skills. He's done a fabulous job. He's well known throughout the nation now. So I was very, very excited and honored to interview him. But I'm also very excited to be launching my Maryland series as well as my Washington series. I'll actually be going out to Washington at the end of the week to interview Bob Kramer, who's also another renowned knife maker and an organ maker who knew that organs were made in America. They are. So yeah, it's going to be great. But yeah, I would say that's probably one that comes to mind that just launched recently on the podcast.
0: Very cool. I'm definitely gonna check out that episode. Kristen Vermeulen, founder, CEO, Nautical PR and podcast host of Makers of the US and Makers of Maine. Great to have you. And thanks for your insights today. Really cool.
4: Thanks, Ryan. I appreciate it. It was great talking to you guys.
0: Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach, And you've saved over $750,000 for retirement. Bob, Chris, and I will put together for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review where we literally look at everything for you. We look at all the investments you own. We look at the fees you're paying. We look at tax optimization. We do a full income and expense report to figure out exactly what you're spending to make sure you're on track to being financially independent. Simply go to www.paynecm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. That's www.paynecm.com slash financial plan or click the link below to see if you qualify again for a complimentary financial review. Hope you're enjoying episode 50, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, love our content, don't be shy, click the like button, subscribe. If you're watching this on iTunes or listening to it on iTunes, give us a five-star rating. If you're watching it on YouTube, click that like button, subscribe. If you click that notification bell, every single week you can be updated when we release our new podcast. Thank you for the love. We've doubled our listenership. It's a year into the podcast and thank you for making it a success. All right, gentlemen, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts. It may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, in June, the median home price was a record 363000 up 23% year over year, better than the
2: S&P 500. Unbelievable, Ryan. With all this money awash around the world, everything's being bid up, whether it's real estate, stocks, businesses, everything but gold, actually. But it isn't better than the S&P because the S&P pays a dividend. Last I checked, every month I'm paying real estate taxes. I'm paying utility bills. A home's great, but it's a place to live. As an investment, I'll take the S&P 500 any day of the week. Preach it, Bob. Preach it. I
0: couldn't agree with you more. And i like to buy a house for 363000 in New York here. I know they can get you a down payment, but I digress. Hey, what's, you know, five square feet. <laughs> yeah, five square feet for 363000 You can almost fit your, your whole body inside the apartment. But anyway. Chris, the US isn't the only country investing in infrastructure. India just promised to spend $1.3 trillion on infrastructure, and China has been consistently investing in infrastructure even before the pandemic, especially in areas like green energy and digital networks.
3: Well, you know what? I know dad likes the S&P 500, but I really like the emerging markets just because it's really cheap right now, pays a dividend. It's one of the fastest growing populations in the world. They're becoming more efficient by investing in their infrastructure. And just overall, it's a great place to be with regards to your money.
0: Go global. Chris Payne said it first. Bob, investors tend to become myopic during a bubble and believe only a small universe of stocks are attractive. Innovation and disruption themes have become the cornerstones of speculative growth investing in the U.S. during this current bubble. However, France, not exactly the hotbed of innovation and disruption, is outperforming the NASDAQ so far this year. The MSCI France index has returned 19.5% year to date, while the NASDAQ has only returned 138
2: as of this recording. Who would have thunk it, Rye? You know, France is thumping the NASDAQ here in the U.S., but you know what? Most of us have a home bias when it comes to our portfolio, and it's not U.S. citizens. Uh, I read an article years ago about this billionaire from Taiwan, and his financial advisor said you need to diversify. You've got all your money in Taiwanese blue chip stocks, and he says, "What do you mean diversify? Where?" He said, "Like places like the United States." He said, "Oh, I don't want to do that. That's too risky." So, you know, China looking at Taiwan right now, maybe taking it over someday. I don't know which country is more risky. I think I'll take the good old U.S. of A. But, you know, it's not a bad idea to have some money spread around the world. I'd rather drink French wine than be on the Internet. So that's
0: why I'm voting for France here. But that's just my viewpoint of the world. Chris, states with full vaccination rates above the national average of 51 percent posted a 08 percent employment gain in July, whereas states below the vaccination rates trailed with employment increases of only a half a percent in July. Sounds like everyone should get vaccinated.
3: Well, I'll tell you what, Ry, I'm always more excited to go to work when I'm feeling good rather than going to work when I'm feeling sick. So it's no surprise there that states with higher vaccination rates are more gainfully employed.
0: Yeah. Well, I think this Delta variant has actually forced a lot of people that weren't going to get vaccinated to get vaccinated. And I suspect we're going to see a lot of these COVID cases come down dramatically over the course of next month, just like they did in the UK. That's my optimistic take. All right, gentlemen, another great show. If you like our podcast, love our podcast, subscribe, click the like button. As always, stay loose and keep an open mind.
1: Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Pain Capital Management at bebullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Pain Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.